Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. But I want to read to you from John 15, verse 1. Uh, It says, uh, uh, Jesus speaking there, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Whoops. Uh, whoops, I flipped too far. <laughs> Uh, I don't call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. And he always paraphrased that all the time through Scripture with, as I loved you. You know, we don't get to define what love looks like. Uh, what's your favorite fruit? You know, we're going to have brunch church here just a little bit. I love to have fruit. I mean, I, I love fruit uh, in ways. Uh, if I'm out eating somewhere, if they have an option for me to have uh, fruit or potatoes, uh, I'll probably have the fruit. Uh, I'll also always have biscuits and gravy if I get that choice uh, too there. But, uh, you know, I got this little uh, bowl of fruit from up there. Uh, Looks like the bananas need to be eaten for too long here, you know, or, or we're going to have to make banana bread or something out of it there. But, uh, you know, it's got different kinds in here. But what's your favorite fruit? You know, those who are online can, uh, you know, enter it into the uh, 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 little chat box there, what it is. You know, you know, so what's your favorite fruit? Mango. Oh, yeah. We get the international flavor going there, you know, not something we think of here often. I love mango, too. Somebody else, what's your favorite fruit? Wait a minute, What? Blueberries, okay. Somebody else? Pineapple, yeah. What did Allie say? Bananas, yeah. So you all have bananas and blueberries for breakfast then? Yeah. Okay. Kiwi. You know, I think I've had kiwi in some. I don't know if I classify that as my favorite or not. That's... You know, it's, it's funny, you know, different things, foods you have now. It's kind of like now everybody tells me I, I need to eat kale. You know, I need to be more healthy. <laughs> you know, I think I loved it <laughs> years back whenever nobody needed, I knew I needed to be healthy. I could just eat whatever I wanted. Life was so much better. Uh, somebody else, what's your, what's your favorite fruit? 
chocolate. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Somebody else. What's your favorite fruit? Strawberries? Kiwis and strawberries. Okay. Anybody else? Favorite fruit? Watermelon. I, I do too. Yeah, watermelon. I. <laughs> Got to get that language down. Yeah. <laughs> I need an interpreter here, you know, to help me there. I'm from Kansas City, so line. So that's that's the difference here, you know. So, uh, anybody else? What's uh, favorite fruit? <laughs> you know, I was uh, I asked this question one time of uh, people. And, uh, uh, you know, we were listing all the different fruits and everything. And finally, somebody said tomato. And uh, I kind of looked and I said, we always think tomatoes are vegetable, but tomatoes are fruit. Uh, you know, what do they say? Knowledge realizes and knows that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom knows that it doesn't go in a fruit salad. So that's the difference if you ever want to know between knowledge and wisdom. Sometimes you can know something, but wisdom is whenever you know what it really is and the purpose it has in there. But, uh, you know, Jesus and his disciples, he, in chapter 14, you go back there, it'll say after he has uh, uh, been speaking with them about the one who's going to come, the Holy Spirit who's going to come, the comforter that he's going to send, and he says to him, he says, let us go now to the very end. And so they start out, and they're headed out to the Garden of Gethsemane, a place where Jesus is going to pray, and where eventually we know that he's going to be uh, uh, taken prisoner by the uh, palace uh, guard, the temple guard, and that he is going to uh, uh, be beaten, uh, going to uh, go to the cross and die on behalf of our sins. But in the midst of, of going there, as they're on their way, we don't know if it is because they pass the temple, and on the temple front it has this big vine and uh, vineyard kind of thing, this uh, uh, carving that was up there, uh, or whether it was that as they were going out towards the Mount of Olives uh, that they would have been passing through vineyards. We don't really know the exact place of where it's at, but he begins to speak to them there and to teach them about this, of, of what the fruit is and what it is to be in the vine. And he says, you know, I want you to bear fruit. And he says, every branch of me that bears fruit is going to be pruned. Now, when we think of that, of pruning, what do you think of? Now, I know nobody in here hardly has uh, any trees. Nobody has yards. Uh, times whenever I will call Elijah and, uh, you know, we'll talk for a minute. I say, well, I got to go. I've got to go mow my yard. And he just loves the idea that I still have to mow a yard and he doesn't. <laughs> or, uh, you know, they don't have plants. They don't have trees. Uh, I was just looking. My doorbell rang a moment ago on my phone. One of those rings. And, and I'm looking there at it to see uh, who was at, at my door back in Kansas City. And the one thing that I really noticed, which must have been somebody driving down the street or something to set it off, but my whole yard is full of leaves. And I thought, when I get back Tuesday... I'm going to be spending a couple of days because I've got huge oak trees out front. I've got locusts. I've got ash tree in, in the back. And it just dumps leaves everywhere. And so, you know, uh, we sometimes think of whenever pruning is that it's a cutting off. But the word that he uses here is really talking about what it is to be pruned and even to be lifted up. Uh, uh, vineyards, and I, I didn't realize this. I talked to somebody about vine dressing. Now, I have watched... A lot of Hallmark movies, so I've seen them in all kinds of vineyards, you know, my wife. I, I'm not a, a, a grape kind of person. Uh, well, I like grapes, but I'm not into one to, to go and have a vineyard. That would not be my life's goal one day out there. But they tell me that what you do is it's something that may be bearing fruit, but if you don't lift it up and tie it up, 
that it won't ever get the proper sunshine or the proper uh, what it need nourishments, it won't produce fruit then. And so that's what he was saying is there's some times in our lives or with others that we really need to be lifted up. Anybody ever, you ever felt like that? <laughs> you just, <laughs> you're kind of having a down day. And you know, you ever notice how we like to hang around people who will kind of build up and encourage us? Uh, somehow it seems like the devil puts people in our paths that always want to beat us on down or different things. But how great it is whenever we have somebody that uh, will will be able to uh, lift us up. And so it's uh, it's interesting here because he says that. He says, if you abide in me, he says, you're going to bear fruit. Then he says, you're going to bear more fruit. And then he goes on to use the term, and he says, you're going to bear much fruit. And sometimes whenever we've looked at this, and talked about fruit, we start saying, well, that's about uh, sharing Christ with others, and they're going to become Christians. No, the fruit is really what happens in our lives that changes. How different are you now because of the number of days or years that you've been walking with Christ, and you've been spending time in his word, abiding in him? See, that's what he says. He says, if you abide, you just spend time in his presence, uh, like we'll go just in worship. I was just over there just just relaxing in his presence and just thinking, wow, God loves me. He loves me. And more than that, I, said, I thought to myself, he really likes me. I mean, he loves me so much. He gave us a cross for my sin. But if it had only been me, he loved me that much and he likes me that he would have done it. Sometimes people need to know God likes you. I mean, not only does he love you, but he likes you. Because sometimes we get caught up in the fact, well, yeah, he loves everybody. Or, well, yeah, he loves, or he loves good people. If he really knew me. And then we stop and think, wait a minute, but God does totally know us. And he still loves us. He says, I want you to go and bear fruit, fruit in your life that the world can taste. And that's, that's the title of my message today is Fruit That the World Can Taste. Because you know what, in just a moment, now this is going out, yeah, online, and there's people at home that are, are watching it also. But for those who are gathered here, in just a moment, oh, well, not in a moment, because we're going to have a brunch church afterward, which is great, and uh, that's the only bad thing about being uh, <laughs> online. You have to come up with your own meal. But uh, it's great here that you get to have uh, a brunch church here. But a little bit uh, after that, we're going to go out, and I've heard people talking about all kinds of activities they're going to do for the day and where they're going to go. and. A lot going on with Halloween today and some of the, the parties and uh, for the kids. They came in costumes, and they're all excited about going trick-or-treating and, and getting to do those things. But everywhere we go, we need to bear fruit in our lives that the world can taste, something that they like. And the one thing they like is that people want to be loved. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, uh, turn there. We often read this scripture in, uh, with whenever people get married. It seems like we read this a lot of what love is. And uh, I want to I wanna read to you there, uh, starting at verse 1, and then we'll read all the way down through there. Verse 1, Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing." If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Remember in Galatians, whenever Paul was writing to them there in chapter 5, he'd been talking about what the, the deeds of evil are that people do out there in the world. He says, but not you. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said, against such things as those, there is no law. But the first thing he lists there is love. See, what is love? The world is always trying to define love for us. But you know what love is? Love's a choice. We have to make a decision that we're going to love people. When you're married, you make a choice that you're going to love that person. Now, there may be something whenever it first started that, oh, I'm just in love with that person. I'm so in love. I just want to spend time with them. And then I can't imagine ever being without them. And who's through that? I've now been married 37 years. And you know what Sherry and I know? Love is a choice every day. Because sometimes uh, we can be unlovable. Now, on our end, that's usually probably more me. Uh, I can be just uh, possessed with what I'm doing, what I'm accomplishing out there. Uh, Sherry used to say to people, my sole job is to love God and love Phil enough that I'm willing to do whatever God and Phil want to do together. And that's what she's done for 37 years. I mean, I got to do all kinds of things and, and uh, pastor in the church for 30 years. Now I do leadership coaching with pastors and church planners all across Kansas City. Uh, I was uh, in charge of church planning for a while for our district and doing that. And, and I, I just always had some crazy dream out there of what I wanted to do. And she has loved me enough there. And she's made that choice. See, love's more than just a choice. Because Paul said there, you know, amongst all these things that you, virtues you'd put on, he says, you know, bind them all together in love. Okay? It's kind of like, you know, we get up and we go to our closet and we say, what am I going to wear today? He says, clothe yourselves with this peace, joy, patience, goodness, kindness. Colossians 3.14, he says, over all these virtues put in love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, he says, you can choose all these things. Pick out what you want to put on, but it's got to have love. But more than love being a choice, for a Christian, for God's church, love has to be our culture. You know, we, I'm amazed, and uh, not to get political here, but I'm amazed whenever I see everything going on, everybody's fighting back and forth about vaccinations or masks or uh, shutdowns or supply chains now or uh, the virus, everything. Everybody's got an opinion. And somehow in all this, it's separated everybody to where we'd almost rather argue or fight over things or even talk about it than just the simplest thing, which is just to love everybody. See, that's what God called us to, is to love. The rest of the world can make all the choices they want. Love is our culture. That's what he said. That's how you're going to know Christians is by their love. See, whenever we look back in the first and second century, there were a couple of really bad plagues that happened in the Roman Empire. Uh, incredible. Most people stayed away from uh, some of those who were sick and all like that because of the death and all that went with it. But the Christian church in that time reached out and loved those people and cared for them. <laughs> some back to life, some in death. But the growth of the church, even as we see it through the book of Acts that happened early, the church continued to grow 
because of the love. That's what was unique about it. It's like, why are these people different? Why do they love so much? Why do they care so much? See, love is our culture. 1 John 3.18, John writes there and he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. He says, back up your love with actions. Because we can sit here on a Sunday and we can all talk about it and we can say, yeah, I love people. But I have to back it up every day. What are we going to do whenever we meet people? Or what are we going to do whenever Satan puts somebody in our path we just don't like? Anybody else ever met anybody you just don't like? You're all better than me. <laughs> I seem to run into those people all the time, man. I'm just like, something about them, I'm just like, oh, man. But you know, that person needs to be loved just as much as anybody else that I would like. And maybe I can get along well with or have things together. And so I want to share with you a few things I've learned about love. Uh, I came from a family of uh, 15 kids. I've got 11 sisters and three brothers. So we, uh, I don't know, who, if we'd have been a TV show, we'd been somewhere between the Duggars and the Waltons. And uh, only we never had any money. But, uh, you know, we would do anything for each other. But I don't know that in all my time growing up I ever heard her say, I love you. It wouldn't be, it was there. And then I, I started dating Sherry. And her family is the most loving, the most caring. Sherry's the most loving person. She'll always say, I love you. And, and really, she probably came in and taught our family as much as anybody what it was. Uh, to be loved and to say, I love you, and to express it. I mean, again, you know, we would do anything for anybody. Now, you know, with that, we, we would fight like cats and dogs. We were always going on the majority vote of, you know, you try and get seven people on your side so that you could win eight to seven or different things and, and something. Uh, but we would also defend each other. I mean, if uh, uh, we might fight each other, but if anybody else jumped in to fight us, I mean, the whole, you're going to fight the whole family. I mean, we would all, <laughs> all be there. Anybody else have families like that? You know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, you may not have uh, always got along perfectly, but you were definitely going to stand and take care of each other. And, uh, you know, some things that I've learned about love, both from my wife, from just time and God's word, what it is. First thing is that love is patient, okay? Patient in that it is uh, caring for and forgiving. Ephesians 4.2, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, when somebody just, uh, boy, offends you or causes that problem, uh, how are you going to respond to it? He says, bear with that person, be patient in love. Caring about that. I need to always remember God's incredible patience for me. I'm not a real patient person. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a pusher to get things done. Uh, you know, I can still remember whenever we used to take trips as a family, and Ashley and, and uh, uh, Jeff would be in the back seat, and they'd start asking shortly after we went, when are we going to be there? And finally, I would get frustrated and say, don't ask again. We'll be there whenever we all get there. We're all in the same car together. <laughs> so when I get there and tell you we're there, we'll be there. So I, I want to hear it again. And, uh, you know, to be patient wasn't uh, uh, my strong suit. But whenever I stop and think, boy, how patient God is with me. Because I'm the same way. I can see what God's doing. And, man, I want to be there right off or right immediately. 
I mean, and, you know, I want things to change. If I pray about something, I didn't pray asking God to work on it for the next six months. I prayed wanting an answer today. And whenever God tells me to wait, uh, and sometimes it's kind of the same way whenever I'm in the back seat and want to know, God, when are we going to get there? I know how many times God's want to turn around to me and just say, sit down and just shut up, Phil. When we get there, we get there. <laughs> but he's a whole lot more patient than I am. So whenever we think of that, what love is patient, it says there, it says, you know, uh, I really need to learn to look at him as my example and to be like him. Second thing is that love is kind. In Ephesians 4, again, towards the end of the chapter, verse 32, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here's the definition of kindness. The ability to care for each other in the practical details of life. Sometimes people talk about that, doing random acts of kindness for one another. What's the last thing you did to show love to somebody just by being kind? You know, how do you treat someone? may live in the same home that you do. Sometimes it's easier for us to be kind to other people than it is uh, to those we're close to. Uh, sometimes I, I found I could be more patient with other people's kids than I could with my own. I could be more kind to a neighbor than maybe I could to my spouse. Sometimes things I've noticed about kindness also is we're not very good at expressing it. Sometimes we need a card, we need Hallmark, we need somebody else to write it out for us. And I thought, do we really need somebody else's words? They really need to hear our words. I mean, when you get a card, what's the first thing you look for? Hopefully it's not a check or money. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's the wrong answer if that was, that was going to be it. <laughs> but hopefully whenever you do, I don't look to see, okay, what did Hallmark say or what it says? I want to see if that person wrote in it. Yeah, Elijah gives me a card, and at the bottom it says, top it says Phil, bottom it says Elijah. I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that really moves me. <laughs> yeah, he really cares about me as his father-in-law, different things. But, you know, whenever he'll write words out there and talk about, you know, what I've spoken in his life or what I've done, that's what I want to read. That's what I'll hang on to. We've got our own voice, our own words of kindness that we can share with others. And that's one of the things that is needed. Mother Teresa in the later years in life, she says the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and lonely. For nobody to be kind to them. That's the greatest disease in the world. You know, our greatest fight is not the coronavirus or anything else that will go with it, you know, things or whatever it be. You know what the world really needs? They need love. They need to see it expressed in kindness one another. Third thing I've, I've learned is that love is secure. There in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it said, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It gives other people a, a place of security. You know, I saw a, uh, a, a interview once with a guy who was uh, doing uh, trapeze stunts and all like that. And they were interviewing and they says, how can you do that stuff? How do you even learn it? He says, well, the net down below me gives me security to try anything because I know that net's going to catch me. He said, I can try anything 
because I know the net will catch me. Now, if I didn't have that net down there, he says, you wouldn't see me trying very many of these things. And, you know, that's what it is, that love is a security for others that they know even whenever they've had a bad day or they've failed or they've blown it, that you as a friend or you as a family member, they still have your love. See, love is security. Security is a key to all relationships. You show me a good relationship, generally good, marriage or friendship, and I'll show you a relationship that has security in it. That person knows that I can fail and I'm still going to be loved. Because if it's always afraid that, oh, man, something may happen and this person may not love me anymore. See, where I've, my security in life comes from reading God's word. I know that he loves me no matter what. I know that I'm secure in him. You know, I'm 64 now. And one month, I'll be on Medicare. Live for, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Not live for that all my life. I'm just thinking... If it wasn't for phone calls from Medicare or people want to extend my auto warranty, I don't think I'd have any friends now. I mean, it's just like I get 50 calls a day, it seems like, from everybody who wants to, you know, uh, tell me something about what they want to sell to me and different things. But I look back on my life and how many times I've blown it and how many times I've failed and how many times I've failed God. Even being a pastor, you know, sometimes, have you ever had where you just blow it and you're thinking, how could I think that? <laughs> how could I do that? And you know what's amazing is? I sometimes think, okay, now I've got to try to do something to make God happy again. But I don't. See, God still loves me. He still knows me. That's what security is. It's knowing that I'm loved no matter what. It's not based on how good I do stuff. It's not based on who I am. It's based on who he is and what he's done for me. I've learned in our marriage that Sherry and I have that security in one another. I know that she loves me. I know that I love her. You know, uh, we look back and there's been a lot of uh, maybe (laughs) difficult times, difficult issues. But the one thing we've always known is that we have each other. Whether everybody else... (laughs) loves you or not, to have that person in your life. And our world needs security. They need, first of all, God's love. But you know how they're going to see God's love? They're going to see it in your life. See, why did God send his only son, Jesus Christ, to the world? See, he'd sent the prophets, those who would write his word. They had the Old Testament. They knew all of how they should live. They had all the stories, the great leaders there. But somehow it didn't work. And it said that he sent his son that the world could know the full extent of his love. See, people need love with skin on. Because you can talk all you want about God. You can put up billboards, different things, put out stuff online. But you know what? Until we have that of somebody else who really shows us love, We can't really know what love is. You know, when uh, uh, Paul wrote about uh, uh, the the mystery between Christ and the church, he talks about in a marriage. 
He says that's what he wants our marriages to be like is the fact of, you know what, that we're going to be that loving relationship that nothing can separate, nothing can break it apart. Love's not only security. Love is also generous. It's giving. It says there in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. If love is anything, it's a giving relationship. It's about giving out to others. You know, uh, we've experienced love from our parents, from our friends. We've experienced times whenever maybe we've experienced heartache from somebody, and we think, how could they do that? See, God models it to us to give us his love whenever we don't deserve it and to continue to give it to us whenever we've done things, deserve it. And we can't ever earn it. You know, I, I've watched in all my years in the church, and I've, I can say I've pretty much been in the church all my life, seeing the good, the bad, the ugly. I was born December 29th, 1956, just in case you wanted to know when my birthday was and give me a card. Or, no, I'm kidding. That was a Saturday night. I was the number 11 out of 15 kids. Okay, my mom had it down to an art form by then. She had milked the cows. She went in town to the clinic, got there about 9 o'clock. I was born at 9.25, and they say we were back home by about 10.15, 10.30. And we went to church the next morning, Sunday morning. And so, legitimately, I can say I, I've been in church all of my life. God has always modeled love to me. I've watched him continue to work in people's lives. I've watched the miracles that he's done. I've watched people pray and sometimes be disappointed. But I've seen that God has always been faithful. I've seen whenever sometimes people who said they were Christians, how they would hurt other people and how selfish they would be. And you know, whenever Jesus said that, he says, you know, you've got to love others the way I loved you which is a sacrificial love. That means, he says, willing to lay down your life for your friends. That kind of love and that kind of security. Think about it. You know what that really means in the practical? Very few of us are going to be asked to die on behalf of somebody else. Now, looking around, and I don't know who else is married. I know Barry and Allie just recently got married. But I've got a feeling from what I know of Barry, that if somebody was trying to hurt Allie or something like that, Barry would give his life for everything he could, trying to make sure that she was protected. We kind of think that's a natural. But in our friendships and relationships, is there that giving to say, you know what, at this moment, I could be selfish and think about myself. See, if I tried to hurt Allie, I got to believe Barry wouldn't even think for a moment about, oh man, what could happen to me? It would just be defense. See, that's what God does for us, is that he loved us so much, he didn't think about, okay, what's good for me? Why, why didn't he just stay in heaven? <laughs> why did he need us? But he loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. See, that's what it means. And you know how that happens on a practical basis? Just think about it. Times whenever we want to be selfish and say what would be easier for me is to say, no, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to think about others and put them first at that time. That's true generosity. That's true love. That's a fruit that the world can taste, and, and it'll taste different to them. And it'll be a good taste because they don't see it. I mean, the world we live in is always about what's in it for me. What can be done for me? Well, 
yeah, I want to help others, but I got to take care of number one. But God would say that everybody else is number one, and I want to put them first. See, the difference is in our relationships, we say, well, Heather, if you do that for me, then I'll do this for you. And we make our relationships transactional. And God wanted us to make them transformational. In the fact of transformational, that of how it builds up somebody else. See, that's really best defined in a, in a marriage relationship. C.S. Lewis said that uh, love has to be given away. It has to be vulnerable, not expecting anything in return. He says, if you love anything, your heart will certainly be bro- uh, wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness, but in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It'll shrivel up. It'll die. You know, our hearts grow as we give it away to somebody else. That's the reason never, you know, God talks about that of love, of being able to love others and, and how we grow in relationships. And whenever he talks about the marriage relationship, whenever we give it away, give it away to someone. That's when our heart really grows and it expands. But yeah, you can, you can close it up inside of you and say, somebody hurt me. I'm never going to be hurt again. You do that, and Satan will so dis- uh, discourage you that he'll destroy you. See, I, sometimes I worry about all this whenever we've talked about all the lockdowns and, and you know, just stay in your homes and different things. Away. We need people. We need one another. We were created for one another. You know, I understand to be smart. I understand to be safe. But at that point, I was like, no, we need one another. Why do we get together as a church? We need one another. For those of you online, uh, man, I encourage you, you know, be to church anytime you can. I understand, you know, I think online is great. And, and uh, we've talked about, I, I'm on a research committee with Barna, and, and we, we talk about uh, the number of people who, because of this pandemic, will never be in church again. In interviews, it figures out to be about 28 to 30% of people will never come back to church. And you know why they say they won't be back? Because they were just spectators. They were just going to kind of feel good, just kind of watching. They really weren't involved. They really weren't doing anything. They really weren't changing anything. They weren't contributing. And you know what they've decided is? I can spectate easier from home. I'd rather stay in my own pajamas. I'd rather drink my own coffee. Don't need anybody else. But that's not the truth. You know, there's a reason in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said in those last days, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need one another. Relationships. You know, I can pick on Barry and Allie and say, what if it was that they didn't ever share anything together? They didn't ever spend any time together. Where would their relationship go? Pretty soon it'd be, yeah, I saw those eyes from Allie. Like, pretty soon it'd be non-existent. I mean, that's, uh, that's not where it's going to be at. Uh, and so what I'm saying is love has to be vulnerable. We give ourselves away. And the last one I want to say is that love has to be active. you gotta, you got to practice it. It says it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We can't decide, you know what, I'm working on my feelings right now. And as soon as I feel love, 
is I'm going to be better and able to share love. Well, I've learned in my life that we can say all we want about, well, whenever I feel it, I will do it. I've learned that whenever you do it, you'll begin to feel it. That's the importance of actions. See, if we waited till it's always what I feel, we'd never love. But whenever I love and I continue to give away, the feelings will always be there. I shared with you, Sherry and I have been married for 37 years. We understand one thing, that love is that choice, that commitment. It is our culture and our family, what we spend together. And it's not saying, okay, every day did I wake up with a good feeling here. Am I happy today? It's no, I'm going to do and show love no matter what. And it's the same for everybody that we meet. Think about it. What if everybody in the world went out and tried to express to everybody some act of love today, some act of kindness, some act of understanding, some act of generosity, some act of caring? Where would our world be? I mean, think back through your day, maybe yesterday, maybe this week at work. What was the attitude that's most shown every day by others? It's not an attitude of, hey, I want to love you. I want to build you up. I want the best for you. It's usually like, hey, I want the best for me. And it's all about just me and what I can get. See, I can't guarantee you the world will ever change. The only thing I know is it's kind of like a Joshua's prayer. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can only make that choice for me. I can only make that choice as to how I'm going to act towards people, what I'm going to do. To start acting loving to somebody. This is what I want you to think about. This is how we're going to close the day and for those online to, to think about also. Is who has God put in your path that he wants you to love? Who do you know that really needs to be loved? They need to be built up. They need to be encouraged. See, this is practical. Now you pulled out your phones earlier. For uh, to read the Bible. Now pull them out again and open up either a notes section or a to-do or something like that. And I want you to think about who has God put in your life that you could build up, that you could love, that you could encourage? Go ahead. This is where it gets practical. Start thinking about it. Just start thinking through your day. Uh, maybe you're already thinking about somebody this week and thinking, oh man, Lord, don't convict me of that name. I don't want to put it down because <laughs> I know I'm going to have to deal. <laughs> We're laughing, but anybody else sometimes you think that? <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lord, just this will be easy. I can do this week if you just don't put this person in my path. But what it is to really love. See, he didn't just tell us to love one another. Been so great if what ended there. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. See, he died on the cross long before any of us were ever thought about being born. We're talking almost 2,000 years now. And yet he, in his foreknowledge, knew us. He knew all about us. He knew our strengths, our weaknesses. He knew how we'd fail. And he still loved us. That's the reason I have to remember, this week he'll put somebody new on my path I don't even know yet. And he's already asking me, will you love them? And you know what? They're going to do something right off. I know it. That's just going to make them unlovable. And that's whenever then the Holy Spirit's going to convict me and say, hey, Phil, you remember what you preached Sunday? That was good, biblical. Man, that's great. Now can you live it? Because that's what it's all about is actions. 
It's not about words. It's not about looking and reading God's word and saying, wow, that's good. Yeah, let's do that. See, love is really powerful. It can change things. As I shared with you, during the days there in the Roman culture, I mean, the Roman Empire, whenever as Christianity was going forth, it's what set it apart. It's what made a difference in everything else. They couldn't understand. There was other religious people around, which is, but there was a difference was that of the love that they showed to everyone. Love is vulnerable. It says, I may get hurt in this. But you know what I've come to realize myself? Is sometimes people have hurt me, but nobody's taken me to a cross <laughs> and nailed me there with uh, nails and put a crown of thorn on my head. <laughs> nobody's treated me the way <laughs> uh, they treated Christ. So I'm like, hey, Phil, <laughs> uh, you really haven't suffered a lot yet. But love has to be vulnerable and realize I may get hurt. Love has to be unconditional. It says, I will love even if nobody loves me back. I will love. And it's not based on what they do, the transaction, if it comes back. I will love, and I'll trust for that love to be transformational in their lives. God's modeled his love towards us. God's love. Real love. Here's my challenge to you. I want you to go out this week and just try it for one week. Just set out with the fact of I'm going to love people and I'm going to be the influencer in the room. I'm going to, whenever somebody else tears somebody down, I'm going to be the one that's going to build them up. I'm going to be the one that's going to encourage. I'm going to look around and notice the people who maybe are discouraged. And as we said earlier about the vineyard, the grapes are on the vine, who need to be lifted up. See, that's what it says. Whenever it talks about them being cleansed, they call that cleansing. I didn't realize that until I was reading about it. They call that whenever they, they go and they cleanse vines, and they take off certain things that are unfruitful, but they lift it up because they want growth there. They want the grapes to develop. That's wanting the best for everybody else. So I want to encourage you in that. I want to pray for you, for those online. And uh, online, hopefully, maybe you've written down a list at home of people who God's put in your path that you need to. And uh, believe me, if you put down a list of names and you came up with everybody, there's going to be new people God's going to put in your path this week for you to love. And they need it. I truly believe my God is sovereign enough that he guides my steps and he puts me in a place where I can love people. And then I have a choice. I can either love them or I can react just like everybody else. You know, thinking about, uh, hey, up here this weekend, uh, I'll be flying back on Tuesday. And with the way air flights are and different things now, I was uh, thinking actually in there last night thinking, okay, that could be the most challenging time. <laughs> it's just to be kind to everybody, to be loving, whenever it doesn't seem like anybody is, whenever you get into that environment or where else it may be. So I want to pray over you, pray for you, pray for those who are at home. Heavenly Father, I don't know what your word has spoken into the hearts and lives of those who are gathered here today or those who are at home. Because I know that your word doesn't return void. I know that it's your Holy Spirit that brings about conviction into lives. But it's not condemnation. It's not saying, well, you're a failure and you can't ever do it. Conviction is that maybe we haven't been doing it. 
but you challenge us, but you can start today. I am so thankful, Lord, that every day is from this day forward. Your grace is brand new every morning, and I'm thankful for that. Lord, as we step into your grace every day, and it'll start shortly after this year, and whenever we're all around eating together and sharing, give us ears to really hear what's going on, a heart to uh, uh, see what may be the pain in someone else's life, and the words to lift up and encourage and build up. Lord, bless that through the week as we go. Lord, uh, this could be the greatest day for the church. There may be challenges, we can say, because of uh, uh, the coronavirus and everything and and all the shutdowns, everything that's happened. Lord, this could be the greatest day for the church because everyone is looking for somebody to build them up, to encourage them, to love them. Help us to be those people. Lord, we can't do everything, but I can do something. So, Lord, bless that this week. I ask this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.